Welcome to the Law of Starbucks podcast. I'm Mike Schneider. And I am Joe Wallen. Thank you for being with us today. Today, we are very, very lucky to have on our show with us Shauna Kazi. Shauna is a uh, Seattle uh, tech advisor, uh, marketing uh, and technology executive. Shauna, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. For sure. So, Shauna, uh, you've done uh, so many different things in your uh, in your career. It's hard to know exactly where to start. Hey, maybe for the benefit of the audience who who doesn't who doesn't know you, maybe you could give us like a quick summary of kind of like your career and like how you got started and so on and so forth. It'd be fun, I think, for a lot of people to hear that. Yeah, um, I'll, I'll try to give the I will give the short version, but I um. I started my career at the Seattle Mariners as a ball girl when I was 14. I don't know if I, that actually counts as starting my career, but I think that's I think that's super good. <laughs> I mean, I, I wish I'd done that. I I didn't have a chance to do anything like that when I was a kid. Anyway, that's awesome. Okay, so you're 14 and you start at the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, yeah. So I um, which was actually a pretty amazing experience because over the course of seven years, which is how long I worked there throughout high school and college. Um, I got a chance to really work in every single department of the Mariners. So I saw how ticket sales worked, how um, how merchandising worked. I even, um, so aside from being the, I was the ball girl the whole time, but I would do other things. I, was, I had a chance to open Safeco Field and give um, VIP tours. I had the first key to Safeco, so I could go in anytime. And um, that was pretty cool as a 17-year-old. Um, um, but um, I even had a chance to, uh, <laughs> I was the security for the moose one time and he got beat up. So we, we had to, we had to defend the moose. So that's how I started my career. And um, that, <laughs> that kind of led to really every other opportunity I've had so far. I really, I'm really thankful for that opportunity at the Mariners. So I went to Fox Sports Net, which carried the Mariners. And I had a chance to work in marketing and then work on the actual um, the actual overview of that that the Mariners had with the um, with Fox Sports to carry them on air. So I got a chance to work on that agreement and really got a chance to dig into how TV works and how media works, and then went to a very short stint at Fox. And um, and then it was interestingly enough, one of my friends who worked at AT&T Broadband at the time, which was transitioning over to Comcast, convinced me to go in for an interview, which took me about four different conversations because I was thinking there's no way I'm going to go in and interview for the cable company. But um, I went in and I was actually really impressed at how they were doing business and, and how eager they were to, at that time, really improve their customer experience. And so I accepted a job there and worked um, there for seven years throughout the, the different um, departments. And that's really where I had a chance to launch uh, in partnership with uh, Frank Eliason, um, the the social media channels where we could actually improve customer service and respond to customers within 10 minutes, which was unheard of before if you called in. So um, through that, I had a chance to um, end up helping a lot of other businesses and nonprofits and even government officials with social media. And that was kind of the early days of social. So everybody was trying to figure it out and really figure out how to use it. Um, so I had a chance to, to really kind of take advantage of that opportunity and help a lot of people. Um, I spoke at something like 60 events that year, um, everything from small groups to like really large conferences, like thousand person conferences about social media. So it was, it was pretty fun to be able to, you know, at a time when it was an emerging area, help a lot of people. And then, um, I got recruited to start the digital team at Nordstrom um, actually, I went to Google for a little while first um, as a consultant, and then I and then 
went to Nordstrom and started their digital and social team and also had a chance to work on their innovation team, their innovation lab, which is responsible for their new applications and um, some of their new technologies. Um, <laughs> this is turning out to be the long version. Sorry, guys. Hey, speaking of, speaking of, I saw something at Nordstrom's the other day that, the other day I thought was really great. It was a... Uh, it was in the women's shoes department. I was there with my daughters, and they, there was a, like a design your own shoe thing. Yeah, and I was actually really impressed. Like they didn't. There was nothing like that in the men's department, I don't believe. But it was. It looked pretty like pretty cool technology, and I, I was wondering. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't know. Like I didn't spend enough time with it. But I, is that the sort of thing the Nordstrom's Innovation Lab is dreaming up? Yeah, exactly. And now the Innovation Lab has changed over to a mobile focused team, and they're trying to really which is what a lot of companies do is they're trying to create um, innovation throughout the entire company versus just have it in one department. But that department, we did some really fun stuff. We would go on the sales floor and actually test out new technologies right there and iterate and build code right on the floor of the sales floor. One of them we did was, um, there's actually a video online, you can you can find it. We created a new app to be able to search for sunglasses, to be able to buy sunglasses. Because everybody, we realized you try on eight different pairs of sunglasses, something like eight, Right, to right. 10 before you actually go for the one you want. And you all, you keep trying on one and then another, one and another. So we um, created an app that takes a photo of you as you're looking in the mirror to try it on. It takes photos so you can put them side by side to see the, the yourself in the sunglasses. And it, it did increase sales. We could tell right there on the floor as we were iterating it that it increased sales and that wow. it helped the sales folks. So those are the types of things that we were able to do on in the innovation lab. Yeah, yeah, that that actually sounds really neat. Did, that was probably pre AI, right? That was probably pre like deploying AI tools to tell people which picture of them looked best. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, what if they didn't agree with it? I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like I've talked, we talked about this on the show a little bit before. Like Mike, uh, Mike's, you know, I, I don't know how well you know Mike, but Mike does a lot of technology development. He's doing some stuff right now with machine learning that's pretty interesting and. Uh, and so we talked about this before, and I think the last guest we had, I was suggesting, or one of the guests we had, I was suggesting that you know, hey, pretty soon AI is going to tell you what your what LinkedIn profile photo you should use, or what you know, blah blah blah. And I think the last guest we talked about that was kind of uh, didn't 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 think that was a, a soon soon coming feature of AI. Mike, what do you think about that? It depends. Like, uh, yeah, I think that that's the AI stuff is developing really fast, and the the predictions prediction algorithms that exist are really good. It's really a matter of like. Applying those those existing algorithms to various problems, and so like the only reason that LinkedIn doesn't tell you which of your profile pictures would be best is because they haven't, you know, no one's taken the energy to try to run that kind of analysis. I mean, if if you would apply the the methodology to that problem, you could easily solve it. It's it's that's uh you know the technology's there to be able to determine which picture would be the most well, well received. You just need kind of data uh, to to you know make those determinations from. Um, so, huh. so, so yeah, I don't think it's that implausible. It's just the, 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 the limiting factor is like the AI stuff will get applied to the things that are the highest value first, because that's where, you know, the, the, the biggest bang for your buck in terms of the effort is. And then, you know, I guess slowly trickle their way down to things that are less, less, uh, you know, valuable that like, like picking a particular profile picture it might, sure. it might take a while. It might take a while before that technology filters down to the, to the smaller value propositions. Sure. Hey, um, hey, uh, Shauna. So you're interested in though that I mean, the, in general, you have an interest in sort of technology around, uh, around. I mean, around cl- clothing in general, right? Haven't we talked about this before? Like technology to help people find and buy better clothes or something? Is that yeah, something you so talked about before? Probably the most interesting thing as far as my career goes was uh, the stint that we started Decide and then sold it to eBay, which was all built on machine learning and, and predictive and analytics. 
But um, so that that was based on predicting the future price of the product hmm. and then telling you the best product to buy based on looking at every single rating and review of that product anywhere on the internet and then bringing those results together to show you the best and the worst of that product and why you might want it or might not want it. So kind of a, a tech version of consumer reports in a way. Yeah, one thing that's always kind of interested me, and this is just another random aside, and we'll 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 quit we'll quit on the Joe random aside thing here. But I mean, like, say you, you find like a piece of clothing that like you really like, and it really fits you super well. I wish I wish there was a way to just like somehow like send that to like you know send that to like someone who could then take the fittings right and then like make the shirt again or the pants again in like a different color or different you know pattern or something. I don't know. Is anyone working? Have you heard of anyone working on something like that? You know, there's an in, so not exactly. A lot of people have tried different different uh, technologies around what you're talking about, but not. I haven't heard of one exactly like that. There is a company here in Seattle called Bombsheller, and they they create these really cool, kind of crazy um, leggings. And that is really their idea: is that it's built to spec. Right now, they they aren't there yet. They are selling their leggings, but they're not quite there yet. They have a machine in-house right there down on um, Lower Queen Anne that creates the leggings right there. You pick out um, a print from a local artist and they will cut the leggings and have them ready for you next day. Wow. And wow. the idea is they could cut them based on your exact measurements. And so they're, they're working towards that. It's, right, um, right. it's actually uh, Pablo. There's, a, there's sort of a, t- a tech background to it. He's, um, I believe he's, a, um, he's at Microsoft, Pablo is. But okay. um, yeah, pretty cool. It might, might be worth checking out Bombsheller for- Bombsheller. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry to take us off to, off topic. Hey, so can we circle back to some of the nonprofit work you're doing? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, um, I've just I've just recently um, transitioned off the board of Leadership Tomorrow. Um, have you guys heard of Leadership Tomorrow? Huh. Tell us about that. Oh, okay. So it's um, you know for anyone here in Seattle, it's this really great sort of gem. It's sort of this insiders group of um, what happens is you eighty people, eighty leaders, pretty high level leaders, director and above. Um, get a chance to go through a program every year. They're selected through a bunch of different applications. 80 are selected. And um, you get a chance to really kind of go inside, behind the scenes on Seattle business and Seattle nonprofits. So every month you meet with a different leader to talk about a different um, a different area of the community. Like there's a health day and then there's a technology day. And then you get a chance to meet with some of these these high-level leaders, the leaders of Microsoft and you know some of these these big companies and um so i went through the program in 2008 and i went through it really trying to figure out how do i want to give back to the community through not only through nonprofit work but just you know through volunteering through you know just kind of my personal and professional side and um it really opened up my eyes to a sort of 360 degree view of seattle and the problems facing our area and and really sort of the things that we have going for us. And so um, then I joined the board right after that, and I just recently came off that board. But um, a really, really cool program for anyone interested in um, figuring out, number one, how you can give back, and then really creating this sort of secret network in Seattle of people who you can call, and they'll always answer the phone for you. Huh. Wow, that sounds great. So you were on the board there for how many years? For um, six years. Wow. Okay, that's great. Well, that's yeah. really, it. Sounds like a, a pretty amazing thing. So, if someone's in, in, interested in like potentially going through that program, is there like an online application program? You know. Yeah, it's leadershiptomorrowseattle.org. Um, okay. And I actually every year I, I asked anyone I know or even people I don't know, are you interested? I'd love to nominate you. So, if anyone wants to be nominated, anyone who's uh, who's listening to the podcast, shoot me an email. <laughs> 
Okay. Well, that's a really kind offer. Which email address should they use? You can email me at shaunakazi at gmail.com. Okay. That's shaunakazi. That's S-H-A-U-N-A-C-A-U-S-E-Y at gmail.com. Yeah. All right. Cool. So tell, okay, so tell me more. Somehow, tell me about your, your, uh, you're currently on the board of the local uh, public radio, right? Yeah, KUOW, on the board of KUOW, and I've been on that board for several years. Um, and really fascinating, um, we are one of the strongest uh, NPR stations across the country, which is probably no surprise here in Seattle. Um, and just a really, really neat group. We have a, an executive director that has been there for about a year and a half now, um, Karen. And um, we, we got her in from the East Coast recently. And um, they're, they're, they, a couple months ago, probably about six months ago, launched an app, NPR One, where you can listen to KUOW on your iPhone. Um, but do, really doing some fun stuff on the technology and digital space right now, just starting to explore some different things. How did, how did you get involved with those guys? Like, I mean, I'm just curious to know how that, how that came to be. So have you always been a fan of public radio and, and, um, and been involved or how did, uh, how did you get involved with that? Yeah, you know, not, I, to be honest, not really. I have started listening to it probably in my mid twenties, but you know, here and there, um, I wasn't a hardcore NPR fan, but, um, it really goes back to leadership tomorrow. I, I, um, somebody, I got nominated for the board, from a friend that I went through the Leadership Tomorrow program with, Ben Klasky, who's the executive director over at Islandwood. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, he asked if I had any interest. And I looked into it, and really they were looking for someone who had some technology a background and some marketing experience. And um, and I went in, talked to him, and, and it really was kind of a perfect fit for me. And I'm, I was always looking for ways to figure out how can I apply what I know right now in tech and the digital space and help other different groups. And um, I really like the mission of NPR as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it sounds like Leadership Tomorrow's got uh, got a lot of great um, benefits if it's gonna kind of connect you with, with folks that you can work with. Yeah, I really kind of call it the secret society of Seattle. I'm sure there's, you know, there's many others, but that's one that's pretty strong. Wow. So that's, so there's been some recent like excitement around that, um, around the, around the, uh, the radio station, right? Yeah, there has been. Um, we, um, were approached to purchase, uh, KPLU, the jazz station, which also covers some NPR programming. And, um, at this point in time, so we, we, um, have an agreement in place, but at this point in time, the public wanted a chance to buy, um, the KPLU, KPLU listeners wanted a chance to buy the station. And so they are raising money um, to actually purchase the station as well. So if they raise enough, then um, then we will back down and they will have a chance to, uh, or they, they will be able to buy the station. I see. I see. So, so they're trying to crowdfund that? How, is it, how are they mechanically trying to raise the money? And how much are they trying to raise? Well, they, have a, um, they are trying to raise um, essentially... Seven million dollars, and there's okay. a, there is a. I'm just looking up the site. It's um, I believe it's Save KPLU because PLU has been wanting to sell it for for a while now. I see. Um, but this isn't. This wouldn't be an equity crowdfunding in any of it. This is just donations people are making so that a nonprofit could acquire it. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it's seven million dollars by June thirtieth. Is their cutoff? And right now it looks like they've raised. I'm looking at their website. It looks like they've raised five million. From sixteen thousand donations. Wow, huh? Interesting. Well, it would have been more interesting had it been an equity crowdfunding. But yeah, yeah. I don't, you know, that who knows where, where that's going to go. I guess we'll see. A title. I don't know if you've been following the news too carefully in this one, but um, 
on May 16th, the uh, Title III, you know, the Federal Jobs Act crowdfunding is going to go live. Um, and so we'll see companies being able to raise up to a million dollars through the federal equity crowdfunding mechanism. So it'll be kind of fun to see. Um, and then there's a bunch of you know things kicking around in the Congress, which might like increase that one million to say five million, and other things which might make like in the future something like an equity crowdfunding of the acquisition of a local resource, like a you know I, I think that somehow I think the like the Green Bay Packers are owned by the local community too. I'm not sure how that works though. Yeah, that's fascinating. I think that could have some implications down the road. I don't know how many years, but for venture capitalist firms too, and we look at how how they're maybe being more competitive with just the general public versus just needing to go to a VC firm. Right. Exactly. Yeah, it's fun to think about anyway. So so tell me, like Shauna, like like what what like is really like uh like when you get up in the morning, what like right now, aside from the baby, which congratulations on having a baby. That's wonderful news. Um <laughs> Super exciting. Um, but aside from that, like, what, well, like, what really gets you like really excited to, to work? I'm ex- one, one. I'm excited to see what you guys come up with at the at the radio station in terms of new social digital media. I think that's exciting. Can you share anything on that front, development wise, with us, or is it all sort of secret yet? Uh, as far as the radio station, yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I think we're we're being really transparent with you know everything as far as what we have on the board to share, and then um, we're really deferring to the the group that's trying to raise the funds at this point, um, and they have till June thirtieth to to do that. So then oh, I think- I'm sorry. I meant I meant like you you mentioned with with um, with the local public radio station. You guys are working on some new social or like new oh. technology media initiatives, trying to maybe bring radio forward into the next century. I was curious if you could talk a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, one of the things we're working on is is just, which is an easier one, um, is, is figuring out how do we incorporate, number one, what podcast makes sense and how do we incorporate that off-air programming into some of the on-air, um, or not even on-air, even some of the apps like the NPR One app. And right now, I don't know if you guys have listened to it. It's kind of cool. I actually... I actually do listen to it every day now when I get up at 3 a.m. with the baby. But I turn on the NPR One app, and they have the news sections. You can fast-forward through it really quickly if you want, which I actually love. Obviously, you know, it's harder to do that on the radio station if you've got the traditional radio station on there. Um, and then they've got these podcast teasers that they put in there. So um, really, instead of advertising, it's kind of fun because they've got the teasers for these in-depth podcasts that explore different things in technology and science. And so if you want to listen to that podcast or want to hear more, you can just um, click a button on the app and it'll go into that. But it won't go into that podcast or really the overview of it unless the actual story of it, unless you want to um, to hear it. Hmm. So it's kind of a fun way to get a taste of some different podcasts that um, are, are really, most of them are from um, national NPR, um, but some of them are really, really fascinating. And that's one of the things, I don't know if you guys listen much to NPR, but they go into so much depth on stories that it's really you can get enough context to actually make a decision for yourself on how you might see the issue. You know, maybe you want to do more research, but it's hard to do that on TV or through traditional radio stations when everything is a soundbite that's 20 seconds. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely check that out. So the app is called NPR One. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll definitely take a look at that. That sounds pretty neat. There was a great app not too long ago, but uh, I forgot the name of it now, but it was bought, the, the, the company was bought by Apple, but it allowed you to basically like, uh, like write, swipe, uh, just from one podcast to the next until you found one you liked. And so you'd, you'd just swipe and it would start playing something. If you were interested, you'd listen. If not, you'd just swipe again. And they had like some Pandora-like features where you could hit a button up if you like something. So it would give you things more in line with what you're looking for. It was actually really a great app. But I'll check out NPR One. That sounds really good too. 
Yeah, I wish that Apple um, purchase app was still available. What was and that called again? I'm, I'm totally blanking, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, and it was such a great app. I love that app so much. And I, I don't know of anything comparable to it that exists right now. Yeah. But it is hard to find. I mean, I think it's one of the mysteries of like, of like media. You know, it's, it's hard to really know what people want, I think. And so you're constantly kind of, kind of feeling in the dark. You're trying to create, you know, create great content, but you're kind of guessing as to what people really, really want, right? Yeah, I think in some ways, yeah. I mean, okay. you can look at, you can try a few different topics, which is what I've seen a lot of folks do, and then see which one does best or catches on, and then focus more on that. But um, yeah, you're right. It's, it's tough right now as far as finding. Well, so um, what's your view on like the, I mean, the news, the news media has gone through kind of a nice rebound though. There've been lots of uh, pretty big, you know, investments in like old stream media, right? So Jeff Bezos bought the post. I mean, we've seen, and then there've been some pretty big, like the business insider, I, I believe that was purchased by somebody that was in a pretty good sized exit. I mean, so there has been kind of a revival in the, in the media space after like a pretty nasty downturn. Yeah, it was really nasty for a while where everybody was closing and, it seemed like and around the time where the PI closed and all the reporters were, you know, holding. I remember going to a couple events where they were just up in arms about what's going to happen with media. And it, then it's so fun to see now where we've got GeekWire. I mean, two former reporters, old school reporters, John Cook and Todd Bishop, you know, they, they, they've been reporting for, for years and years, starting their own, you know, company with um, Jonathan Spazzato and GeekWire is, you know, doing great. They're having events. They're really a huge part of this tech community now. So I think it just looks different, right? But it's been fun to see it kind of rebound in different ways. Yeah, so tell us more. There's some other nonprofits you're working with too, right? Yeah, I'm working with um, one called Glue Kids. And I'm just launching, um, I believe, this week. And it's a pretty neat technology. It's by two guys who uh, are from Amazon. And they created this online dressing room with the idea that you want to try a full outfit on. And this is some of their insights, I think, from just working in the retail space and the e-commerce space, but that you want to see outfits together before buying one. And then also this idea that you can put together a closet so you know what you have and see what other things you might want to buy. So eventually getting to more personalization uh, and more predictive analytics on what you like and what you might want in the future. Um, but right now they're just starting with this online dressing room, and uh, it's pretty it's pretty neat. Um, it's it's early for them because they're just launching, and I believe it is this week that they're they're launching. I, I know it's up right now on um, glookids.com. So it's pronounced glue, but it's gloo, and um, they they're launching with um, which is exciting for me because this is some of the feedback I gave them was to choose a specific niche to launch with versus just launching with all of men's and all of women's clothing. And so they're starting with um, kids clothing, which is really fun for me because um, I was going through it myself at the time that I was talking to them and I was saying, I'm looking for an outfit to bring Connery home from the hospital in. And it's, you know, it's like a big outfit. You want to get something really cool. Um, And it would be great to have something to help with that. And so they looked into it. I'm really impressed with these guys. They started going to um, conferences to meet all of the um, specific labels and designers who who design kids' clothes. And so they've signed up dozens and dozens of vendors. Um, A lot of them are small vendors. Really cool stuff. And um, you can put them together, different outfits, and, and use the technology on their website right now. And then I think they're doing a bigger... 
uh, launch over the next week or so. So if you want to dress your children, you can go to gluekids.com, G-L-O-O. KIDS.com and you can mix and match some clothing on the website and then pick out an outfit for your kids that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. You know, that's funny is um I don't know if I if I if I if I mentioned this when we started the podcast. I'm sorry if I didn't, but my my sister Amy is with us today and um just visiting with us and um her her son said something really funny the other day about his pants. <laughs> what was it? he said? He said something like, Remember mom, it was yesterday the day I wore the pants I liked or something like that. <laughs> Yeah, my youngest uh, remembers the days based on if he was allowed to wear the pants he liked or not. <laughs> so this is a real thing. So glue kids, though, is it designed for parents or kids or both? Like, how- well, it's really. I mean, it, it could be both. Um, really, with parents in mind, thinking about you know what what kinds of you know it's usually the, the parents who are making the decision anyway, right? But I think to us at a certain age, that's a really good insight that the kids start finding what their favorite pants are, their favorite socks or whatever it is, their lucky socks. Yeah, I kind of feel like you might think that's a little bit later than uh, than it really is. At about 18 months, my children started refusing to wear anything that I provided and insisting on wearing only things that had trains, cars, or ABCs were what my oldest called any shirt with printed words. He liked those shirts. But if it didn't have those three things on it, he wouldn't wear it from about 18 months on. <laughs> oh, that's a good insight. I should probably be um, asking you guys some questions right now to get some insights for them. Sure. So, Shauna, this is just something you don't know when you're, when you're, when you're firstborn is only two and a half months old. It's something you learn, you know, like the 18-month 18, 18 mark or something. I totally want <laughs> to be able to dress them in cute things until they're at least five or six. I was very wrong on that front. Shauna, it's kind of impressive that you're able to stay involved in so many things with a two-month-old. I know that, um, yeah, having having a young young kid can be. Uh, I don't know when when we had our our children, it was it was not a lot of sleep for a while and uh, productivity dropped. I, I don't know how I would manage a workload like you have uh, with well, a little baby. I know. I think that's the interesting thing is it's fun to be able to step back and just go in and out of different projects as I'm able. But I will say. I did my best to use the 1 a.m., 3 a.m., 5 a.m., 7 a.m. times to actually send some emails, and I got some funny emails back, like, what are you doing awake at 3 a.m.? Right. Well, I guess it's, I suppose, I mean, um, I remember some of those times, and some of those times can be you know, pretty endearing in, in recollection, but maybe, you know, in the moment, they can be pretty hard, though. Yeah. When you're up, like, really, really, like, in the middle of the night and, like, trying to, you know, stay awake so you can care for someone who's like not sleeping. That can be, that can be hard. Yeah. I think you guys probably, all three of you probably remember that nothing would get you up except for a fire other than your baby when you're that, when you're that tired. Yeah. Amazing. So, okay. So just tell us a little bit more about the very, you got like several nonprofits, right? That you're involved with aside from the radio. I want to hear about the, um, I understand you you do some work with women in tech and you have some organizations that you work with that, that focus on that. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so when I um, I had a chance to, after we sold Decide to eBay, I had a chance to join Startup Weekend as their interim VP. And along with a couple other women at Startup Weekend, we started an initiative called Startup Women, which um, really came from some of the insights. You guys are familiar with Startup Weekend, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. So um, really cool program. What you do is you create, you know, you, you create basically an idea and a prototype, a working prototype in a weekend and in, in a, a span of about 54 hours, and then it's judged at the end of the weekend. And what we saw was that um, up between 70 and, like, let's say 90% is what we saw of attendees were men, 
Um, and it wasn't for lack of women in the community, you know, uh, it wasn't for lack of women being in the community, but it was more of just the, the event appealed to men. And um, Startup Weekend's pretty cool. They're in more, 135 countries now, maybe more, but more countries than Starbucks is in. And um, really kind of thinking about that reach and that kind of makeup, we knew that we could make some change on a big scale if we could kind of just start to change the dial just a little bit. So um, this initiative started with getting more women at Startup Weekend events because we know that Startup Weekend events don't necessarily create companies, but they do create entrepreneurs. So when you go to one of these events, usually you'll kind of get the taste of what it's like to work at a startup or work in technology. And then you'll usually, a lot of times, partner with other people that you met at the event or through other people at the event to start something down the road. So it's kind of the seed of entrepreneurship. So we wanted to start there. Um, so we created uh, events for specifically for women. We wanted to flip the ratio where it was 80% women and 20% men. So we did that um, and we're able to do that in places across the world. I had a chance to travel to France and run an event there. And <clears throat> I don't want to generalize or make anybody mad about France, but it's a little bit of a macho society. <laughs> so, you know, kind of running a, an event that was female led, it, it felt like we were kind of rocking the boat a little bit in some ways and it was subtle it wasn't like anyone came out and said well this event's terrible but um you know we kind of faced a few roadblocks along the way but in the end it was a fantastic event we had you know the women there were fired up we had um we started 12 different um we, we had 12 working prototypes at the end of the weekend and so we've done that in different countries across the world and then um as you guys probably know startup weekend is now under the um the umbrella of Techstars. So um, it's still going to a certain extent, but in, in a little bit of a more grassroots way. Um, so um, we, there's still events that focus on women um, for Startup Weekend, but then there's a bunch of other initiatives underneath that umbrella too that have been kind of fun to work on. And and I think through that, other things have happened, at least here in Seattle, where I'm seeing some some women who have, who have come from those events that have started um, some companies here and there and that are working at other startups. And so it's just kind of fun to see being in the community. You guys, have, I'm sure seen it too, where you're, you're in the community enough, you know, for enough years where you start to see people start to blossom and kind of come out and you, you know, how they, the, the, the seeds of things that help them early on, it's kind of fun to see what, what works and how you can help folks. Yeah. My, my impression is, and I've been like doing like early stage company work in Seattle since like 90, you know, eight or nine or somewhere in that time frame. Or maybe even earlier, depending on how you view you know view history. But anyway, the point is like I've seen a big change in like I think the quality of the I mean the the coaching and the mentoring and like all the you know um, support systems in Seattle. I think those really make a huge difference. Yeah, and there's a lot more awareness right now for just diversity in general that will kind of lead to better ideas and and serving uh, consumers better, right? Versus just having a, a group of people who all look and think the same. Yeah, you know what? What I think is really fun about um, startups is, is so frequently like, I mean, the, the 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 people go through very very similar things, and so and so you, across the sort of range of a, a life of a startup, um, you'll always be able to find somebody who's who's if they've done a startup before or been through it before, they've been through something similar to what you're going through. So you can tap that you know experience, and that can really make a difference in how you how you respond to what's going on with your company and your business and and everything else. It's important to have that. The support system becomes really important. Yeah. I bet, I mean, you've probably met with so many different companies, Joe. Is there one that stands out to you? 
Oh, what do you, what do you mean stands out? In that terms you're of able it? to kind of, because I mean, even from my standpoint, I know you've helped, helped me a lot along the road when I, especially when I needed legal help. Um, have, have there been, is there one where you've kind of seen, you've been able to kind of be a part of their journey throughout the last several years? Oh, there's been so, Seattle's got so many great companies going right now. I mean, it's a really, um, it's a really vibrant community right now. And right now, I, I mean, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I would, I would, you know, I remember, you know, the sort of like chaos leading up to the dot-com like bubble bursting and like how busy everyone was. And, but I think we're, I mean, we have, we have, I think we have a lot, we, we have more excitement going right now than then. Um, which, which can be thought of as kind of like maybe ominous because hopefully we're not headed for another like bubble burst. But, um, I think that it's just there's an amazing number of really super exciting companies like all over this area, uh, and every time you I mean, you can literally you run into them like everywhere you go it seems like if somebody's working on something really cool. Yeah, that's true. So the so how did you you mentioned something about Startup Weekend and you said you flipped the the eighty twenty ratio. Uh, how do you do it? Yeah. So well, the first one that we did, the first official one, was actually here in Seattle. Um, I. I had a chance to lead the event with Julie Sandler, who's over at Madrona Venture Group. And um, we really just uh, called it uh, Startup Weekend Women's Edition. So we kind of labeled it, which we weren't, you know, I mean, we were just seeing what worked. It was sort of an experiment in a way. And, um, and, then, and then marketed the event as this is, you know, we're flipping the ratio. So we want 80% women there and we want, you know, developers, we want, you know, we kind of designers, we went through what we need. And then, you know, there's a certain number of business people, but those are limited because we need to be able to actually build the product. And, um, and then, uh, you know, 20, 20% men, and it, it turned out exactly how we wanted. I mean, we were able to, to set the tickets so that, you know, you had a female ticket and a, and a male ticket. And um, it worked really well. It was a, it was an amazing event. And then it kind of led to, I mean, well, we did have some pushback, I will say. There was even some media articles um, that came out where people were really questioning, is this the right way to do it? And one of the things Julie and I really wanted to do was we didn't feel like trying to flip the ratio would make, we didn't feel like an event that um, was all women really made sense. What we need to do is actually still have diversity. We just wanted to flip it so that we, women felt uh, welcome to attend. And, it, you know, and, and as far as an experiment, we felt like it really worked. Everyone, um, you know, the teams, the, the ideas were felt and, and sounded different than, than I'd heard at any other startup weekend, just because of the focus and the, the people that were there were thinking of different things based on their experiences. And we even heard, we, we did hear a, um, one of the funniest comments, was from a guy who showed up who, um, you know, he, he was a developer and after the, the event's ending and he walks up and he goes, this was the, the most interesting event. I showed up and everybody's got long hair and talking about fingernail polish. And I didn't feel like, if, I didn't know if I fit in here. And at the end, he's, you know, he's like on this team and they've, they, I think they took second place out of the weekend and they had this really cool idea and... So I think just at first blush, he was a little bit intimidated and he goes, I could see how, you know, women might feel like that if they walk into the room and they're one of the only women and, you know, we're talking about things that they're not able to join in the conversation or they don't feel as comfortable joining in the conversation. So it was fun to be able to just talk outright about some of the, you know, some of the ways that some of the is maybe issues, I don't know if issues is the right word, but just some of the bias or some of the um, you know, diversity problems that we might have in Seattle. Yeah, you know, I think uh, that sounds like a really good way to have done it. Um, 
just to the way you labeled it and just stating what the aspiration was. And uh, and by the way, you know, uh, that's a potentially very big market, right? It's a very big, exciting yeah. thing to be. I mean, that sounds like an exciting company. We have that great local company that was funded by Andreessen Horwitz, which also does. Uh, I'm thinking of the nail the nail and salon company. What's the name Tulip. of that company again? Tulip, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Seattle funded company. Um, our Seattle founded company, and uh, I think Andreessen Horwitz funded it. Um, so. Yeah, that sounds. It's, I, I like that. I like the way you did that. And so you went around the country, went around the the, United, the whole world, and did these the similar type style events and other a variety of other places too, right? Yeah. So we launched that in other countries, and then we also really put a focus on how do we get more women throughout the funnel, right? So when you think about getting um, email addresses, all the way down to, um, I, I think Startup Weekend will be okay with me sharing this, but we were designing the new logo when I was there, and it had the guy had a tie on. <laughs> And there wasn't like a you know the little um, the little canister logo or not canister but it's a um, a lab a little lab yep. glass and so inside was a little dude with a tie on and I was like we need to we need to either add another person in there or just make it appeal like, look like it's for everyone versus just um, you know it kind of kind of came down to those unconscious biases all the way down to the design process which was interesting for me to see. Yeah. That's why it makes sense to have people involved. You know what I mean? That sometimes I think the if it's a male-dominated group of people that's trying to design this stuff, they don't even think and realize how you know exclusionary some things they do might be. So just having having more women involved in the process seems like it it can you know is certainly a step in the right direction. That sounds like a, a great move. I, I, I can't see. I, mean, I guess anything in, involving this topic always seems to breed controversy and. And people have strong opinions about it, but it seems like any, you know, your choice to try to focus on, on skewing the numbers seems like, you know, people can criticize, but at, at least they're, you're doing something to try to, to address the issue. And, yeah, um, thanks for having me. So yeah. Shauna, if people are interested in your work and what you do, and you do a lot of public speaking and, uh, and you write in a variety of different places and, um, you basically help out like people in the community at large with a lot of really amazing things. So people are trying to get connected with you to see if you might be able to help them with something or uh, give them some, you know, feedback on whatever it is they're working on. What would be the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. I mean, I'm always interested in hearing more, any startup ideas, um, and, and meeting with, with new startups, but, um, yeah, it's just my email, Shauna Kazi, S-H-A-U-N-A-C-A-U-S-E-Y at Gmail, or else I'm on Twitter at Shauna Kazi as well. Hey, Shauna, it was super, super great to have you on the show. I really, really enjoyed it. I, I hope you did too. Yeah, I'm, I'm a huge fan of you guys, and um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah, congratulations on everything again in your life, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk soon. All great. right, bye, guys. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.